Welcome, everyone, to another episode of What Exit Jersey Stories. I'm your host, Nick Franco, and with me, as always, Pete Riario. And today's special guest, I'm I am very happy to have on our show today. He is a uh, friend of the show, friend of ours. We are a friend of his show. We we are a um, we 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 are a uh, fan of his product. <laughs> oh, good. I was well, hoping uh, you'd get the placement in there, Mr. John Ross Cacosa. The the, the 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 real boss Ross himself. Well, first of all, guest, but I don't know about how special guest. And thanks for getting that plug out of the way right away. Nice. <laughs> oh, no, no, there'll be more. <laughs> I had my harvest cider, but it's I drank it all, so sorry. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you see, I, I was lucky uh, for, for for Christmas. My 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 in laws, uh, my mother in law and her husband actually got me uh, a bunch of Ross beer because they, they live down in um, uh, Dayton. Uh, Dayton okay. Jersey. So they brought up, you know, a, a Ross to me. <laughs> well, we had, yeah, I guess, it, uh, what, when was that, Nick? When you said Christmas time? Well, okay, yeah, it wasn't at Christmas, but uh, they we got together with them in, I think late January it was. Okay. I was going to say, but even then we weren't up in Bergen County yet. Uh, we no. weren't anywhere up North yet. Now we do have representation. Thanks to our Woo-hoo. friends at bottle King. Uh, awesome. We're in a whole bunch. Matter of fact, I just spoke to them earlier today and uh, for two of our newer beers, uh, which we'll be talking about, uh, which is our, our Brooks Royale Belgian chocolate stout and mm-hmm. our, our snack shack, Meet me at the Snack Shack Session IPA. Uh, they're bringing those in. Uh, not awesome. every location. I think up there, mostly up north, he said, was going to be Bottle King Ramsey and Bottle King Glenrock. Uh, I'll double check oh, that. Okay. Yeah, the one, how far those are from you guys or not. Uh, <laughs> it's closer to Pete, where Pete used to live. but um, Yeah, I used to be out in Mawa. But um, yeah. I I found your the the harvest cider I found in Ledgewood, New Jersey, which is right on Route Ten at the, at that Bottle King. Yep, yep, we're we're up, we're up there too. Ledgewood mm. has a lot of our stock, but they didn't have room for these two newest ones. This uh-huh. this will be the first week release. So uh, the way they're managing it is they said, okay, we'll bring it into a couple of stores up north just so we can you know placate some of the people up here that are looking for it, and then eventually we'll roll it out to the rest of the Bottle Kings. Like the rest of our lineup is, you can usually get Navasink, Shrewsbury, Passaic, Manasquan, Harvest. You can get those at I think at at fourteen of the fifteen Bottle Kings. The only one that uh, that we're not in yet is uh, is Princeton because it's a little further west than we normally go. But uh, but in any event, so uh, yeah, so next week they'll have those up up north, but if not necessarily very close to where you guys are. That's sweet. Good to know. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think. You're in uh, also. You, know, you have some representation around the Marstown area there uh, too, right, uh, uh, John? We do. Um, you know, I'll pull it up the chart in a minute. Here, we we just crossed 120 New Jersey accounts. So, uh, so congrats. The, the first hundred or so, I'll say. You know, I know everyone there. You know, I know the owner of the place. I'll know the beer buyer. I'll know key staff. As we're starting to get over a hundred accounts, it's it's a little tougher for me to know every single one, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but you know the enthusiasm has been there. You know we get emailed all the time. Hey, can we start carrying your product? And uh, you know we'll do a quick internal discussion. And if it's on a route 
that's already kind of going in that direction, we're happy to add them on. Uh, and then when we have enough sort of requests from one specific area, like what happened with Bergen, then we're able to open up Bergen County. You know, we did it with Passaic County uh, and not just bottle shops and stuff. Uh, there's a, we, we, we just got in a restaurant in, in Oh, in uh, Tommy's Tavern and Tap in Clifton, New Jersey. Oh, so, wow. They uh they have the Navasink IPA and the Passaic Porter on tap, which I guess the Passaic Porter really makes sense. They're literally like on the Passaic River, yep, uh, and Passaic County and all that. And then a little further north, even getting close to the border, I know like in Haskell, New Jersey, and Wayne, New Jersey, we're in a few spots. Uh, hmm. Best Sellers, uh, uh, um, Kitchen and Beer Bar. Mm, let me think, Maggie's in Ringwood. I mean, this is further north than I usually get, guys. But uh, yeah, but, you know, the man is there, though. So. You're, you're passing us uh, going north. Uh, oh, even I know. Okay, further than you guys. All right. Yeah. Well, you're you're going in. You know, like when when New Jersey makes that little crook there, and you can keep going north. You're going up that way. All right. <laughs> but hey, get get all your bases covered. You know, in all of New Jersey, that's what we want to say. So, well, I, so know, I was just saying, just I know Morris Plains. Um, Morris Plains is another bottle king that we're in. Oh, perfect. Mm. That's yeah. where I work. Well, oh, really? Okay. All Morris right. Plains. That's nice. why I've Morris Town. That's usually yeah. the proper and you know the, the bigger area there. But yeah, I, I actually work in the Plains. <laughs> Excellent. I, I think we're in a total about five or six accounts just in Morris County. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm updating the beer finder on our website every week, you know, rossbrewing.com. And then you navigate over to the beer finder or just type in rossbrewing.com slash beer finder. And uh, it's uh, it's gotten to the point where knock on, you know, wood, this is a good problem, but I've got, I have to update the site every week because uh, we just keep opening accounts. So. Awesome. <laughs> That's great news. But well, let, 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 let's let's rewind a little bit. You know, for for all those that don't know, again, John is the proprietor of Ross Brewing mm-hmm. here in the great state of New Jersey. Um, out out of now, I believe it's uh, Middletown, uh, John. Yep, that's the that's the official. It's Middletown, New Jersey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. I I have a question for you because you originally your your first location was at the firehouse, the the old firehouse there in Red Bank. Are you still? Operating out of that at all while the construction's going on in um, Middletown, or because that's I, a really good question. There was some crossover, uh, okay, just because of the terms of the lease and the time that they were expiring. Um, but um, but no, now we're operating exclusively out of Middletown. Of ah. course, while construction is ongoing, where. We're we're contract brewing all over the place. You know, uh, we've got four different contractors. We started with one, and now we're at four, just because uh, to keep to keep up to keep up with with demand. Because you know what, with contract brewers, they've got to brew their own beer too, so they can't just give you whatever brew dates you want. Uh, I've learned that the hard way. So uh, if you can get two or three dates a month from someone, and now we're at a point where we need more than that. So we're we're contract brewing at Elementary Brewing, at Bolero Snort Brewing. Oh. At awesome. Cypress Brewing, and then of course we do our ciders out of the Orchard Hill Cider Mill, which is just on the New York side of the border, right by the Woodbury mm-hmm. Commons. There, so uh, we're up to four spots now, and, and we're, we're potentially even investigating a fifth spot to uh, just to, to, to be able to bring everyone the beer they're looking for. Hopefully, once Middletown opens in a few months, we won't need any of them. We should be able to brew all the beer we need at our own spot. Mm. Question for you, John: Once uh, Middletown, uh, like officially. Opens, opens. Will you be doing also uh, tours of the brewery or? Oh, 100 percent. 
Um, um, and it's, it's funny you ask that, Nick, because for a long time here in the state, one of the legislations, uh, you know, specific to, to getting the brewery permit is mm-hmm. that you must give a tour to everyone that comes, no matter how many times they've been to the brewery before. Now, really, about like a year it. and a half ago, a little bit before COVID, there was an amendment to that, which was you still have to give the tour. But if someone could certify that they've already had it within the last year, they don't have to do it again until the following year. So it's a once a year tour. So if you come to Ross Brewing 10 times this year, which I hope you guys are able to do somehow, no. uh, you would only have to get the tour the first time. Um, and then, you know, each brewery is kind of managing it their own way. We'll have a little card that we give you when you complete the tour. The date will be right on there. So uh, every time you come, you can just show your card. Uh, and uh, if we see it's more than a year old, up oh, time for another tour. The thing is, <laughs> we actually love giving the tour and i think our site in particular is going to be a fun tour for people to go on because you know we've got multiple buildings on the property we've got the dock we're out over the water there's a great outdoor space there's an outdoor beer garden uh a spoiler alert for summer 2022 next summer we're also putting an outdoor beer deck that goes out over the water so we've got a lot of neat features uh we've got a really cool and innovative brew house system Nobody in the state actually has this system. Uh, typically, if you're if you're if you're going on a brewery tour, and if you guys have been on brewery tours before, you know mm-hmm. oh, what size is your brew house? Well, this is a seven barrel. This is a ten barrel. This is a fifteen barrel. This is a thirty barrel. You know, at some of the bigger breweries. So ours is actually a dual system in parallel. It's a fifteen barrel system with a three barrel system. The fifteen barrel system, uh, and, and and to explain it to your you know your listeners, that fifteen mm-hmm. barrels means how much how much beer you're brewing at once and the output of that would be 30 kegs so a barrel wow two kegs wow um, and sometimes you know in the business colloquially we'll refer to a keg as a half barrel um uh but so uh so that's 30 kegs output on a 15 barrel system but then it's running in parallel with a smaller three barrel system with my design there being the 15 barrel can fill up 15 and even 30 barrel fermenters that's the beer out for distribution the three barrel system could fill three barrel and six barrel fermenters and that's to service our tasting room so it'll smaller a little oh, bit more nice. nimble, so we can put different things on and keep people engaged and excited with all of our new brews plus for all the crazy ideas i get you know the guys have to ring me in well maybe we don't need to do a giant batch of that you know uh mm. you know raspberry pomegranate butternut squash stout uh, maybe we just do a small batch first and see how it goes <laughs> nice, nice. Now you, you you just mentioned actually one of the flavors that I do like. Not butternut squash, but raspberry. Actually, I'm. Okay. Yeah, but Pete introduced me many years ago. Uh, yeah, if if you didn't know, John, uh, Pete Pete is uh Belgian. Oh, <laughs> I knew. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, so did he introduce you to maybe like a framboise? Uh, exactly. Like a yeah. On the nose, like creek. You I, uh, know, I love like those that Pete. back in the day. When, when, yeah. when did you uh, when did you come over here from uh, from Belgium? Well, so like I have dual citizenship. I'm I, I was born actually in the, in the Bronx, New York, but my mom uh, was Belgian and she met my dad over there. In fact, uh, uh, you know, many, many years ago, <laughs> married, you know, came over here and all. But um, I went to nursery school over in Belgium and just all my summers were spent. I worked on a farm in Belgium. So like there's a lot of history I have, okay. you know, you know, being you weren't there, drinking yeah. the Belgian beers in nursery school yet. Right? No, but I, I was young when, um, you know, cause there was no real drinking age in Belgium. Right. So, 
probably 13, I want to say 14, wow. 13, 14 years old that I'd, they, you know, I would sit and have, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, whether it was like a palm or, um, you know, one of the, uh, uh, right you know right yeah. i mean oh, there's yeah. just on and on and on there's so many belgian beers as you well know well yeah. mm-hmm. the belgians are very really you know the masters of this certain style of brewing which mm-hmm. we've come to call farmhouse brewing and saisons and then abbey ales the trappist ales yep. i mean you know these trappist monks have been making these beers the same way for a thousand years yes. so over here in the u.s you've got craft breweries like us at ross brewing we're doing everything we can to sort of emulate using modern technology what they perfected, you know, with a stone pestle, you know, a thousand years ago. All right. And uh, uh, it's fun. I can tell you that, you know. Oh, I bet. I think of our first uh, of our first dozen beers, you know, we've done two sort of Belgian style, you know, out of our first dozen. The Vit is Yeah, exactly. So the Belgian Vit, mm-hmm. which is the Manasquan, which – I have to tell you guys, we're very, very pleased with it. Um, and there's two indicators of that, that, you know, it seems that the consumers are pleased with it too. Number one is we can't keep it in stock. I mean, it keeps going out of stock because it, it just sells faster than we anticipate. So we keep having to brew bigger and bigger batches so we don't run out of stock. And the second is where we probably should have had a better inkling is in the Ross Brewing prehistory period before we were able to sell beer like we are now, you know, we did four or five Ross Brewing, you know, tasting parties over the years, whether it was uh, at an event or I hosted it even in my own backyard or, or other places. Um, and of all the beers we did, Manasquan Vit was always the first to, to, to kick the keg. And we think it's because of its crossover potential the, the ladies like it just as much as the guys so mm. you've got double the amount of people drinking it you know whereas on the other end our brooks royale or our our brew royale belgian chocolate stout you know maybe somebody might look at a 12 percent heavier thicker stout with belgian chocolates you know molasses vanilla cacao nibs milk sugar all that and say Ooh, that might be a little too much for my uh, bikini bod and uh <laughs> So maybe they're not. Although I would advise them to try it because if they try it, they're going to like it. I bet. I believe it. It sounds delicious. I can't wait to try that one. I was going to say, you know, all, all this talk about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to open a Shrewsbury lager. There you go. Very and nice, that, my friend. <laughs> and that Shrewsbury, that that's mm-hmm. our backbone. Obviously, Navasink IPA is our flagship. Uh, yeah. And and again, all, all those three, the 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 Manasquan, the Navasink, and the Shrewsbury. Those three just are continually selling out for us. So we're, we're looking forward to uh, opening our doors and be able to make as much as we want whenever we want. But uh, but that Shrewsbury, he, he's the outsized performer. He, he's the one that's, that's, in our mind, playing above his pay grade because we designed it to be an amber Vienna lager. So this one's not a Belgian style. This is a Vienna mm-hmm. lager style. And when I came up with this, I just looked at, at the lagers that I like to drink. Before I got heavy into craft, kind of the ones that were like my gateway drug into craft beer like 15 Mm -hmm. years, 20 years ago. And so, you know, you come back to Sam Adams, Boston lager. Okay. Brooklyn lager and kind of the godfather, which is Yingling lager. Yep. And And, 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 am I correct in saying this? The biggest craft brewery in in the U.S.? Because there's well, uh, a craft brewery 
depending there's a lot of definitions right there okay that that people can quibble at uh biggest you know it one way that people measure that is how big is your distribution net the other is how many barrels of beer are you producing and okay. craft and craft is you know you're not owned by some other bigger corporation sam adams right. case they went public as the stock bbc they became the bigger corporation well they're saying hey we're still craft you know, and and Yingling, well, they've been family owned for 200 years almost. So one thing right. for sure, they're the oldest. I'll let them and Sam Adams quibble on who's the biggest. But oh, okay. uh, but, but they both they both make great beer. And so with the Shrewsbury, what we tried to do was, you know, just tasting it. And this is the fun part, right? You know, tasting all these beers and saying, can we try to reverse engineer a recipe that for me would fit within that triangle of Sam Adams? Brooklyn Lager, Yingling Lager. And that's what we did with Shrewsbury Lager. It's the beer that converted my dad. It's the beer that converted my father-in-law. Guys that are like lifelong, you know, Heineken, uh, Bud, uh, Bex, you know, maybe a little St. Pauli girl. You know, mm-hmm. essentially they're all drinking the same international macro pilsner. And and this is saying, hey, listen, the lager part's going to taste familiar to it with a little more flavor. Mm-hmm. And once you get them with that, then you could start hitting them with the, uh, you know, the blueberry marshmallow sours. <laughs> right. Now, you, you say like uh, 15, 20 years ago is when you got into the craft uh, brewing. Uh, like, how did you get your start? Like, like what actually, you know, like what was the pull to you that it's like, hmm, I, I want to actually get into brewing beer because or actually let's go uh, before that. When did you like kind of discover like oh the different types and yeah. really get into you know that, the that's style. that's a good question it's not it's not one I'm often asked so I got to go way back in the memory banks here um, you know I made it through college here in the U S like everybody else probably chugging Coors Lights Miller Lights Bud Lights you know playing quarters playing playing beer pong all this kind of stuff well, I was gonna say that that's the expensive stuff I thought in college it's like you know Daddy uh, uh, Light like, like, oh, yeah. like really uh, Schaefer's all right uh, let's see <laughs> yeah. but um. But, you know, after college, now I'm working in the city in my early 20s, very early, you know, 2021, 20, 2022. And you know, we had a number of spots that we like to go to. And um, at the time, my friends, uh, and, and you guys know them, uh, you know them as Sully and Mo. So that's Todd mm-hmm. Sullivan and, and Muhammad Youssef from Point Blank Podcast. You know, we're, we're three young guys just starting our careers in the city. Todd had been my high school friend. Mo had been my college friend. I kind of merged the two. And so now we're all together. And, um, you know, we're just heading different bars. And we stumble upon this place on Bleecker Street in the West Village. And it's still there. It's called a Peculiar Pub. Oh, I know it. I've been there. You, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, man. You yeah. can go around the world and back there with, with, with hundreds of different beers. And so that was my first exposure to, wow, look at the variety that's out there. But there's a caveat there. And the caveat is what I learned upon repeated viewings. And, and, and you know, we had we we made a copy of the map menu that they had. This is probably like, I don't know, 96 or 95, 97, something like that. And we used to carry it around with us in our back back pocket. And every time we went back, if we made a new beer, we'd cross it off and try to hit like all 500 beers from around the world. Oh, my God. (laughs) It it took a while. But then again, not as long as you think. But uh, (laughs) but. You know, one thing we realized is probably half of them were, were 
essentially kind of that same beer. It's what I kind of just spoke about, like this this macro pilsner that that is the one kind of beer that's sort of spread across the world. In the U.S., it's the only beer that survived prohibition. Um, pre-prohibition, we had super variety of beers. We had high-strength beers. Prohibition comes, 20s, 30s. They're yep. all stamped out. Only the biggest breweries, Anheuser-Busch, you know, the Coors Company, are able to survive by brewing very light, weak-strength near beer. Well, once Prohibition was over, they said, well, it's certainly a lot cheaper to keep doing this. So that's what they continue to sell. And now they call it, you know, the king of beers, Budweiser. But these are very light beers compared to – think about, like, the German immigrants that used to come here. Yeah. They make these robust beers, man. So – Anyway, that beer style is the most popular in the world, and every country has their own version of it. You know, if you go to the Dominican Republic, they'll have Presidente. You know, if you go over, uh, uh, you know, to uh, to Asia, you'll get Singha or Tiger, and uh, and it's all these sort of yellow pilsners. So that was my first exposure to variety, but also my first realization that not everybody is actually really digging into that variety. They're, they're doing variations on the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So the first, what I would call craft brewery that I was exposed to now we're getting a little later, maybe 97, 98. Uh, these guys don't get nearly the credit that they should in terms of the creation of the industry in the U S and it's a, uh, it's a Canadian brewer. Uh, actually they're, they're, they're a, a couple of, Quebecois, okay, so they're from Quebec, called a Unibrew or Unibrow, U-N-I-B-R-O-U-E. And um, and they come out with just these amazing beers, La Fin du Monde, Maudite, Don de Deux, and they're these crazy interpretations of what, Peter? The Belgian Abbey styles. But they're mm. big, they're doubles, they're triples, they're quadruples. Yep. Now we're, we're drinking these things and very ill-prepared for it because there was nothing of that strength here and mm -hmm. the flavors are just driving us crazy and that's when we started to think wow you know this could be something um you know fast forwarding a while uh before we opened a brewery you know got into the home brewing side of it but at the same time i i built owned and operated two craft beer pubs so we weren't brewing beer we were just building the kind of places that we would like to go to now, is, is that is one of them a uh, wild goose? One is the wild goose. Very good, Dick. One is the wild goose in Staten Island, New York. Mm -hmm. One is Maloney's Pub in Matawan, New Jersey. Now, the wild goose had a lifespan of 2009 to 2012. Maloney's, we actually started the year before in 2008. It's still going today. We're no longer involved. Uh, okay. uh, uh, myself, Todd, and Mo, we had to step back because part of the beer laws are you can't be involved in like either brewing and distributing, distributing and selling, or brewing and selling. No combination. Uh, you have to be okay. at one level. So, oh, you know, we, we sold our interest in that years ago, uh, but it was fun to create it and build it. You know, we liked it so much. We did it again with the Wild Goose. Um, we actually had a policy for a long time, which was, no Bud Miller, Coors, or Corona. And I have to tell you, the beer distributors, are, they're like, are you crazy? Like, that's like our <laughs> biggest sellers. And we're like, you know what? But we had a concept. And we did that concept twice. And it proved to us that it can work. And so right around that time, I left my Wall Street job doing, a, you know, a investment finance to join Muhammad at L'Oreal doing manufacturing finance and okay. I'm working in a factory up in Piscataway and just watching like these shampoo bottles get filled and these soap bottles get filled. I said, wait a minute. Okay. I love to homebrew. 
Uh, I've got the craft beer retail experience, and I'm, I'm working in manufacturing. You put it all together. You know, I called the guys up. I'm like, why, why haven't we opened a brewery yet? And, uh, well, the, the rest is history. So Yeah. Now, here, here's a question for you, John. Your first attempt at brewing your own beer. Oh, boy. What type was it? Okay, well, the less said about that brew, the better. But um, <laughs> that probably answers my second question. Well, how was it? But. Okay, yeah. Well, listen, it was an IPA. Um, okay. You know, right now IPA means so many different things. You could right. IPA is a real big category, so big that now there's subcategories, right? Double IPA, Imperial IPA, any IPA, whether you call that New England IPA or Northeast IPA, mm-hmm. you know, the hazy, juicy IPA. Uh, you got fruited IPAs, all kinds of IPAs. This time it was just IPA. And what we now refer to as a West Coast IPA, which in fact is the inspiration for Navisync IPA, our, our current flagship. But back then, we just called them IPAs. You know, you had Stone Brewing out in California, uh, Lagunitas, Ballast Point, Green Flash. These guys were way ahead of the curve in craft beer in the U.S. before us. So I said, I'm going to brew this at home. I think just about everything that you could have done wrong we did wrong, okay? Uh, somehow, miraculously, we're able to ferment it not enough and too much. Uh, so you, it tasted. Wow. How, how, <laughs> I'm not telling you that it, it tasted like drinking a cup of fresh cut uh, uh, grass, you know, trimmings. Um, so we definitely got the uh, vegetal side of the hop presence there, um, and so, but the malt bill that, that had become the wort that eventually becomes the bill. I'm sorry, becomes the beer itself. That was underdeveloped. So it I, I don't even know if you could call it beer. But you know what? Every every well, that was the first one, and they got better from there, but they uh they're all a learning experience. You know, hopefully, whatever mistake you made, you're taking notes, and so you're not gonna make that specific mistake again. You're gonna make all new kinds of mistakes. Right. I, I right. remember our, our, a friend of ours, uh, actually uh Pete uh Christian. Yes. Yeah, uh years ago, uh he he uh decided to try, try making his own and um it, it came out pretty good but okay. it was a little strange the fact of um it was done pretty quick because when he um when he you know he had his uh, little tub there you know to, yeah. to uh you know ferment uh it was a little too close to uh the heat <laughs> oh temperature it, it is a huge low in fermentation yeah, but strangely enough, it was not enough to really throw it off. It it, it was passable. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, hats off to him. I will say this: much like in in medicine and and technology, in brewing for sure, lots of discoveries happen by accident, by mm-hmm. something nominally going wrong, and then you realize, wait, actually. Actually, that's not too bad. Can we duplicate that if we actually tried? You right, know, yeah, can you this process. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, now, uh, what, what was I going to say? Uh, also, you you had mentioned as far as in New Jersey, like why open in New Jersey versus say open a brewery in new york because again you know as your origin story comes you're you're from staten island are you not yes yes okay so so like like what what was the lure to actually open in new jersey um okay i guess in the shortest sense the easiest you know glib answer is well i wanted a short commute right you know i moved out here to monmouth county 20 years ago okay uh, 
So while I'm a transplant in New Yorker, you know, my kids are New Jerseyans for sure. And mm -hmm. uh, this is where we're going to make our stand. Maybe until we get old enough, I guess, where we have to go to Florida. And it's mandated. But before then, uh, we're, we're here. <laughs> and um, the same time, for as many breweries exist in New Jersey now, and there's a lot. There, we mm -hmm. crossed 100 there as well. Um, we're still vastly underserved, believe it or not, in breweries per capita. Um, out of our 50 states, we, uh, we recently have grown. We've gone up to 45th. We're 45th place. Wow. Because, I didn't realize how low our standing was. Uh, we were, when I started the process, we were 48th. So that's a that's a testament to how many breweries have opened and also how long it's taken Ross Brewing to get open. But mm. we're, we're up to 45th now. And, you know, look, guys, the name of the show, Jersey Stories. It, we, we, we're one of the most backward states in, term of, in terms of like alcohol laws and things like that. Um, Which is kind of weird. Like when you think about what you mentioned earlier, prohibition. Yeah. Well, even though, you know, you know, th things were, you know, uh, prohibited yeah, we uh, boardwalk empire. Yeah. 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 Well, we were one of the wettest states that you could still kind of get around in there. Yeah, and you mentioned boardwalk empire, N N Nucky Johnson, not Thompson. Uh, right. Real life <laughs> yeah. version. Right. Well, yeah. The, the real life version. Yeah. But, you know, you had the ports down there. Hey, let, bring it in, bring it in. And yep. then he took his cut, made, made his profit. People, <laughs> people got to drink. They were happy. Well, you know, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I try to explain this to people who, who are like, why is it so hard to get a liquor license in New Jersey? You know, I opened a pub in each state, you know, previously, right? As we just said, in New York, you file, you give your fingerprints, you pay your $3,000, you get the license done. In mm. New Jersey, number one, you can't even get one, what? Unless someone else is selling one. Because they're, uh, they're, they're a fungible commodity and they're not making any new ones. And that's why instead of $3,000, you'll pay $300,000 or $3 million. You know, it's depending on the town and the population, you know, mm -hmm. say I want to open a little pub, but Applebee's wants to come into the same town. And now we're bidding on the same license uh, because, you know, Grandma Dolly from Dolly's, uh, you know, Dolly's Inn is selling her license. Well, this is going to be her retirement. And also... I'm not outbidding Applebee's. So uh, mm. these things get into the millions of dollars. So anyway, you say, why would that happen? People say it all the time. Like, why is it so hard in New Jersey? Well, that same Nucky Johnson and his ilk, right? Think about this. Now it's prohibition. Liquor's not supposed to be here, but it's coming in from Canada, from Kentucky, from everywhere. And, um, and they're making a good penny bringing – liquor to the masses, whether it was beer or spirits or wine or what have you. Now, all of a sudden, right, prohibition is repealed. 33. Do you think these guys want to give up making that money? No, 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 no. no. So they were, just as you saw, saw on the show, very politically connected. And so they were able to shape the legislation back in 33 and 34 that controls how we make distribute and sell beer today. Um, so the same families that at that time were like the bootlegging organizations, they became right, right. the beer and liquor distributors of New Jersey. Wow. So, That's incredible. Oh yeah, man. And so, um, so, so you it, do know like, like some of our like Jersey beer history. 
Oh no, for sure. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna give people a tour, you know, at your facility, you could tell them all about Ross Brewing and the creation story and all our different beers. But I think the more you learn about our local state history and how it relates to beer and liquor, I think you can give people flavor. No pun intended. Mm. And uh, and we do have a rich history here. It's kind of a bananas one, but we have one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of, do you know when the first brewery opened in New Jersey? Uh, no, that's a really good one. Um, answer before I answer, before I, I give my guess, is it a brewery that's currently open? No. Okay. Then no. Okay. Well, uh, the, the, the first brewery, you, you, you want to take a stab at a, like a, remember the time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I gotta, right. I gotta it does sound vaguely like a point blank game. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that sounds like exactly a point. Yeah. Blank. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to say that maybe, even though I don't have records of this, there must have been, because I, I know right over the, the river, right over the Kill Van Call in Staten Island, there were a ton of breweries pre-prohibition, a lot mm -hmm. of German and, and Polish immigrants working and, and creating there. So let's say that there was some here and it got snuffed out by prohibition. So let's say 1881. Okay. And Pete, I know we discussed it earlier. Do you yeah, I already know the answer, so I can participate, can I? Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. So, so you do remember. Yeah. Um, you want to you, you want to know that you're about 200 years too late. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. And the Dutch actually were the first ones to brew in New Jersey back in 1641 in Hoboken. Wow, that's Dutch, phenomenal. Dutch yeah, settler Art uh, Van Patten. Uh, no relation, I think, or may, maybe a distant relative of uh, Dick and, uh, and and family there. Um, yeah, he, he, he uh, got his license or, or got the lease and yeah. opened a uh, brewery in Hoboken. And um, hopefully you don't get the type of Yelp rating that he got. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> John, you know, uh, Ming Chen is chiming in and asking, why is your beer so good? <laughs> we'll, we'll answer that but i want to find out about mr van patten first here well well, well he, he he got the first negative review from the L lenape uh tribe oh, <laughs> boy. here in north jersey and they burned down his brewery oh man okay so they weren't fans all right <laughs> they were no, not, not fans. coincidentally somebody almost burned down our brewery too. i was about to say <laughs> it wasn't the, yeah. <laughs> I hope it wasn't the Lenape, right? Yeah, I know that weren't, uh, you know, like uh, meddling around uh, near your brewery no, in Middletown. There's no burial grounds, uh, you know, around us. But, um, mm -hmm. but you know, it's probably, like you mentioned the liquor license, probably in 1641, it would have been like a royal charter. You know, that's, right. what, that's what they would have done to say, you're authorized to produce this as long as you send X percent of your proceeds back to the crown. Um, but uh, you know what? There's probably an opportunity there. You know, I know Hoboken Brewing. I know 902 Brewing up there. Somebody should be tapping into that local history as Hoboken right. being site of the first beer brewed in New Jersey. If they right. don't, look for a Ross Brewing beer based on that soon. Oh, there we go. I like that. Uh, and do you know also uh, another uh, Jersey uh, beer uh, history fact? Um, you were saying 1933, you know, that's when Prohibition ended. Okay. And you still had the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the families controlling things. But in yep. 1935, there was a first by, uh, I believe it was the Kruger uh, Brewing Company. Right. Uh, let me just uh, double check. They were, they were the first post-Prohibition brewery to open. They were first, um, but they also did something else first in the nation. 
they packaged in cans. The first, first in the nation. Wow. The first in the nation to package in cans. They were visionaries, man. Visionaries. Well, we're yeah. New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking earlier how 15, 20 years ago, when you know, starting out craft beer, everything was uh, you know, everything was was in bottles like this, right? Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, probably the tide started to turn about 10 years ago. And prior to that, cans were thought of for that cheap stuff, the college stuff. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Whatever your preconceived notions are about cans, they are hermetically sealed. They keep the beer fresher. Even the tightest crimped bottle cap can allow some passage of gases between. And again, even the most opaque brown or green bottle is letting some sunlight in. So cans preserve beer better, longer, and they achieve what all of us who brew desire, which is to get you guys the beer as close to how we envision it when brewing it. So uh, I am glad that the industry came around to uh, to kind of embracing cans. Um, mm-hmm. There's always going to be some beers that are better served, like in a bottle. You know, I'm thinking of like a, a really rich stout or a barley wine that you can age and bottle condition over time. But uh, but yeah, wow. So those guys back at 35 were the first ones to do the cans. Correct. Wow. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think they are also no, no longer. Uh, no, they're yeah. not around anymore. Around, yeah. But you know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do though. In their honor here, I'm going to crack open a can. Of uh, Ross's newest offering, Snack Shack IPA. Okay, it's first hitting stores next week. And I'm gonna look can, for can, that. Can you can you describe, describe. Snack Shack for us? Yes, sure. please. So, you- so the full name here is Meet Me at the Snack Shack, and um, you know we've got an IPA that we just love, right? It's our flagship Navasink IPA, and it's almost eight percent. It's a it's a it's a West Coast inspired. Oh, look at. Okay. All right. Now this guy comes prepared. I love it. He is. <laughs> so, so you know that's a that's a you know a sort of throwback and homage to the beers the, the IPAs we grew up with those West Coast IPAs. So it's a double IPA. I use a citrus profile of hops, and then on top of that, we we really lean into the citrus effect by adding grapefruits to the fermenter as well during secondary. So that's Navasink IPA. But you know what? There's going to be times when maybe. You're not looking to uh, to do an eight percenter. You know, maybe you're looking for something a little bit more, um, uh, you know, a little lighter. You know what they call today a little bit more sessionable, or what the uh, the younger call today a beer that's crushable because you can crush a bunch of them. You know, so I'm thinking it's a hot day. You're either working or you're on the boat or something. You can enjoy more beers quantity wise. You know, unless you're a uh, you know, your John Belushi's character in Animal House, then it doesn't matter. But generally speaking, for most of us, you could drink more of lower alcohol. So meet me at the Snack Shack is a 4.3%. So that's a session IPA. But mm-hmm. what we were really trying to do here was create a session IPA that drinks and tastes like a full strength IPA. Oh. Oftentimes, that lower alcohol comes with it, lower flavor, lower hop profile. And so we had to go to the lab many, many times on this one. Uh, you know, we, we got our recipe down to 6%, then 5%. I'm like, we got to get it lower. You know, we got it under five into the four and a half range, but it's it's now making sure all the flavor is there. Finally, I think we cracked the code. Um, it's a beer that we think is going to, I hate to, to repeat the word, you know, that the, 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 the younger generation, you know, uses a lot, but this beer is going to crush this summer because, uh, you know, the warmer weather is coming. 
Everyone's going to be vaccinated. I think the beachers are going to be mobs this year. And uh, giving a beer that somebody can have a lot of under the hot sun without killing themselves or, or becoming a menace to others, uh, I think this is it. So that's meet me at the snack shack. You know, you don't want a full meal. Sometimes you just want a snack. And it's actually the first can in our entire lineup that we featured some original art on it. Um, oh, wait. Who, who uh, designed Sure. So, um, so we have a friend of our program, and um, we mentioned him on the last episode because he was chiming in there. His name's Tommy Lombardozzi, and uh, uh, also of the Hoof, right? He, he he has two podcasts. He he does. He hosts one with Chris. That's called the Hoof, and then he has he hosts one with his other guy Mike, and that's called Jack Kirby, which uh, is all about honoring the art. Oh, right. mm-hmm. So Tommy does both of those podcasts, and the thing is, he himself is a great artist. So. For this one, you know, we wanted to get an iconic Jersey Shore, you know, snack shack on the beach on the boardwalk. And um, then we started looking at all these different pictures and like, oh, I like that one, but or I like this one, but I'm like, yeah, what if we could design like our ultimate iconic one? I'm like, why can't we? So he called up Tommy. You know, we pitched it and he put a lot of little cute tidbits in here, which you guys will see when you pick up the can, like hanging from the snack shack. There's like an old style blue New Jersey license plate. You know, nice. he's got a, he's got a lot of cool things under. You know, there's some surfboards leaning up against it. It's the outdoor shower, so when you come off the beach, you can rinse off and grab some snacks. So anyway, that's our meet me at the snack shack. Starts going statewide next Tuesday. Great. I've always loved the look of the the cans, um, John. Just I mean, in terms of like you're the marketing, it, it, they always stand out. I find on a shelf uh, when I do see them. You know, I did. I'm sure that you know that there are as as I'm sure you know obviously a lot goes into the brewing process, but I'm sure equally, but a good amount probably also goes into that aspect too. Does it not? Um, you, you, I mean, Pete, you ain't lying. Yeah. I mean, the other day I took a, a new member of the team and I visited one of um, you know one of our customers, a buy right um, in uh, in Homedale, New Jersey, and I said, "Come on over to the craft beer section and uh, tell me what you see." And, and, and the guy was just flabbergasted because it's row after row, shelf after shelf, every color, size, shape. And he's like, it, it's just overwhelming. He goes, oh, how, I know. Yeah. How, how do you how do you get someone to pick up your beer? So, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen it all in the industry over the last 20, 25 years. We've seen guys that have just been or teams, you know, not just guys, teams. I mean, it is International uh, Women's Month as well here. But we, we've seen, you know, teams that have come up with amazing beers that could be the best brewers. But, man, they can't market for poop, you know, or 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 they might just not know how to run a business and vice versa. We've seen, you know, unbelievably styled beers, uh, you know, great marketing, social media, all of that. But then, um, unfortunately, you pick it up and maybe the substance isn't quite there. So, mm-hmm. you know, for us, it has to start with the beer. So, you know, we have a very, very simple rule. And you would think this is obvious, but not every brewery has this rule. But we have to enjoy the beer before we put it out. So there could be styles that maybe people like, and maybe if we don't necessarily like it, I'm not going to put it out just to cash in. I need to make a beer that we know we can enjoy. But mm. once it starts with the beer and we know we have a good beer, then the marketing, unfortunately, in 2021, where we are, has to become part of the game. So we, we've paid a lot of attention to our social media. I think we've grown our Instagram followers uh, all over um, – all over 26,000 so far. Uh, mostly, of course, New Jersey and New York. We've got some followers from outside. Uh, 
I don't know if it's like on cue here. Matt Miller, who, yep. who, who is yeah. a, okay, a top fan over from Point Blank, he's here and he's saying, you know, guys, uh, you know, realistic estimate of when Ross Spring will distribute to other states, or is it too soon to tell? Well, um, we do have a realistic estimate. And it's not too soon. Uh, if this was two weeks ago, I would not know. I could tell you by June, we will most definitely be distributing to states other than New York and New Jersey. Uh, we're, prob- we're probably going to do about 22 states. Um, wow. We're very close to having the signed code distribution agreement. I can't say much more about it right now. But uh, when when we can, we'll throw that list of 22 states up there. And Excellent. once that's in place, then we work on trying to fill in the map. You know, so um, so hopefully- yeah, I, mean, I really feel like word of mouth is going to just make your company sell. I mean, you know, uh, the, the quality is so good, as Ming Chen, you know, alluded to earlier of your beers that I, I just can see it. You know, like, the you know, we're just going to uh, one person going to tell another, oh, have you tried, real? you know, this uh, flavor of Rosebring? It's really excellent and mm-hmm. just kind of snowball effect. Um Yes. Yeah, so. Well, I, listen, I, Pete, I hope you're right. You know, we're mm. we're we're certainly doing our part. You know, we we engage with the community. Um, you know, we we there's a number of causes and charities down here in Monmouth County that we're affiliated with, and and as we open, uh, we're rolling out special, unique beers to help. Uh, support different elements of that community. You know, some some causes that we're very passionate about um, uh, are, are clean water. Now it sounds you know kind of simple. I said for us, our company all starts with the beer. Well, the beer all starts with the water. Mm-hmm. And right. since water is so important to beer, um, you know, kind of it, it's made us realize like how much of the world doesn't have clean drinking water and as well, those rivers and shorelines that are so important to us, like all our beers are inspired by them. You know, you have the nautical uh, certainly imagery right from our logo and then all of our beers named after rivers, but our local rivers and shorelines are fighting this never ending battle to stay clean and therefore be enjoyable to all of us, New Jerseyans, you know, whether you like boating, um, you know, or ice boating or, um, or surfing or fishing, you know, uh, recreational stand up paddle boarding, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, we, we, the waters are important to us. So, so we're involved in a number of causes there related to clean water, both from an environmental perspective and from a drinking perspective. And the other thing is, you know, New Jersey, we're certainly one of the wealthiest states in the country overall. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, where we are in Monmouth County, it's fortunate to have a, a, you know, a very high, you know, level of wealth as well. And so a couple of years back I was volunteering for, uh, for, um, you know, a volunteer day at a local food bank. And when I found out the numbers of local people, and I'm not even saying like, oh, go to the inner city, like like literally no. in your own backyard of mm-hmm. people that are struggling with hunger every day and night. So we partnered with, uh, you know, Fulfill, which is the food bank of Monmouth and Ocean County, uh, Lunch Break, which is a food bank operation uh, based in Red Bank, and um, – and uh, a couple of other organizations to really combat hunger. And then, and then the last, you know, where we're kind of, again, sort of engaging with the community. So if they like the beer and then they, you know, they, 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 they see that community involvement, maybe they're inclined to spread the word, like Peter was saying, is, um, you know, one of my nephews first and then later on a second nephew, uh, you know, were diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And uh, so then I started to do a deeper dive there, learning just how the rates of autism 
among birds are, are, are growing to, well, I mean, it's, it's the highest it's ever been, right? So uh, it's partially a greater understanding of diagnosis, but then also an unexplained increase in diagnoses. So uh, Autism Speaks is, is, is an organization that works with families uh, who, who may be overwhelmed from um, – you know, dealing with one or multiple, you know, children on the spectrum. And then as well, they're there as a resource for those that have questions or needs. And um, and so that's just something that we're partnering with, too, because once again, New Jersey, we're number one. We are number one in the in the United States of America in terms of diagnoses of autism per capita. So it's right. a, it's, it's it's a it's a worldwide and even a national you know growing epidemic. But even more so right here in our backyard in New Jersey. So that's just something that we're we're affiliated with as well. I, I, I want to say at, at the last check, and this is probably going back a couple of years. I think it was like one in ninety two. Uh, it, it did well, cross under one in hundred. Yep, a little more prevalent in, in boys than girls, for sure. Right. And um, you know, it's just it's it just in many ways remains a mystery. So, mm. you know, anyway, of course, we've got uh we've got all our local organizations, we've got the local firefighters, the, the policemen, the teachers, the nurses, all of our frontline workers that have been doing such an amazing job this last year plus during yep. the, the, the pandemic. So they all are will find a very nice welcome when they come to Ross Brewing in terms of permanent discounts and things of that nature. Of course, the firefighters in Middletown saved our building two days ago, so uh, mm. they, might get, they might get more than a permanent discount. I don't know what, what we could figure out for them, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, so we're doing our part. We try to make good beer. Uh, people seem to like it. You know, we're connecting with the causes that really resonate with us, and I think you know we, we try to spend some time on the marketing. To Peter's point, and I, you, know, you put those three things together, hopefully, we're, we're something that people connect with. Right. Excellent. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think the, the main thing, the, like the, the key word that you put out there amongst that is community. You, you, you realize you are part of that community and you're giving back to that community. You're, you're not like, OK, you know, we're, we're just here for the beer and that's it. You know, you want to buy it. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you, you're actively engaging. And mm. that that is so great. And so many more businesses should do that. You know, like it, it gets pe- it gets people engaged. Like, you know, it's like, oh wait, yeah, wait, they, the they're they're part of this. Oh, I'm very curious about this, and you know, they can be you know take part in that cause, and also then learn more about the businesses that are also taking part in that uh, cause. Well, said. absolutely, absolutely, great point. You know, the other the other sort of community aspect that you just reminded me of, Nick, is that mm-hmm. breweries themselves. Um, ha- have a way that's been repeated across this nation of ours of becoming a, a gathering place for a town or a community where people of all stripes, your, no matter your political affiliation during these exceptionally, uh, you know, divided mm-hmm. times, no matter your, your social standing or class or, 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 or beliefs or anything like that, breweries, people come together. They have great conversations. You know, maybe it's the libation that's uh, loosening up lips, but whatever it is, people have a good time. Um, you know, it could have been the coffee house of, of yesteryear, but of course, the coffee houses we have to be a little quieter now. You know, right. but but um, but and then the other thing is, a lot of times in an underdeveloped area. You know, so going back to I mentioned Brooklyn Brewing at the top of the program. You know, they they went into Williamsburg, Brooklyn 
when it was a wasteland, 1989, and they they kicked off the Renaissance. Now, good luck even getting a studio apartment in Williamsburg. Wow. And, and so that that blueprint is being repeated all across the country in areas that maybe previously have suffered from urban or even suburban blight or, or areas of underdeveloped areas that were once developed and fell into disrepair. You know, a brewery could come in. Now people are coming in. They're, they're, they're communing at the brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it helps foster that sense of community you were talking about. Next thing you know, somebody puts a pizza shop next door because everybody at the brewery needs pizza, right? And then you're off That's to the races. So, or, or, or a 40-pack of McNuggets, as uh, we, we, we learned. I had Ming ordered the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where, where we're going in in Middletown, Middletown's a big town. And mm-hmm. Middletown itself has so many communities within it. You know, North Middletown, uh, uh, Leonardo, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Kevin Smith mm-hmm. uh, right. from there. Uh, yep. Right close by that, Leonardville. You've got New Monmouth. And um, and then you've got the, the, the couple other little towns, Belford and Port Monmouth. And that's where we are. We're, we're right on a creek that separates the Belford town from the Port Monmouth town. So while we're in Middletown, we're certainly a part of that smaller town within Middletown. And um, because my friends up the road established Belford Brewing a couple of years ago, you know, uh, I went to them. I said, hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. We we could go either way with this because we're right on the river, the border. I said, I'm going to let you guys have the name Belford. We're not even going to put like Ross Brewing Belford, New Jersey. So all all of our iconography, our signs, our, our logos, we've rebranded as Port Brewing. Uh, I'm sorry, Port Brewing, Ross Brewing, Port Monmouth, New Jersey. And this area we're at is a vastly underdeveloped area. We're out on a peninsula, out into the sea. So we're on a river with with, with Sandy Hook Bay right adjacent to us. Mm. Uh, there's the Belford Fishing Co-op over there. Uh, of course, uh, a lot of it burned down. Um, I mean, uh, I'm being somewhat facetious. What burned down was just some storage sheds, uh, mm-hmm. some uh, some brush, some decommissioned boats. No people were hurt, and no actual uh, buildings that were operating were hurt. So this is mm-hmm. if you set a fire, that's kind of the best way to do it. But yeah. other than that, there's nothing going on up there. And in our our discussions with the town, the mayor, and the council, when we were considering relocating from Red Bank just to the next town, Middletown here. Uh, we asked, you know, would you guys be opposed? They're like, opposed? What can we do? Like, they rolled out the red carpet that said, oh, wow. we're going to support you 100%. Come on in. And their thinking is, we can do what breweries have done all over the country. Start this community here, people coming together, and then other money will come in and people start developing that area. Who knows? Well, I hope that happens. In the meantime, we just want to make a cool place for people to hang out. Fantastic. And yeah. We cannot wait to go there. It's funny you mentioned Brooklyn Brewery. That was for me, that was the first brewery I ever went to. Like, oh, like wow. I visited a brewery before, but uh, there was a podcast there. It was part of uh, the New York Comic Con back in 2014, I think it was. And they did it right at the, the Brooklyn Brewery. I was mm. like, oh, wow. I get to enjoy the Brooklyn Brewery at the same time. Oh, this is great. That mm. is cool. They, they, they have a great, great brewery. I think I remember the campaign you're talking about. That was their Defend Beer campaign. Yes. Uh, where they partnered with New York Comic Con. Mm. Um, uh, you know, what? we love Brooklyn Brewery. You know, I've taken the Ross Brewing team there three times on like sort of team field trips. And uh, I've probably been there a dozen times myself. Their head brewer, Garrett Oliver, is a friend. 
Uh, he's doing great work. Uh, he, he started something called the Michael Jackson Foundation, which is uh, promoting um, education for minority and people of color, uh, brewers and distillers, because they're so underrepresented in the industry. Right. And, and it's not from a lack of desire. So no. he's saying, hey, listen, we're going to give scholarships. We're going to give brewing and distilling education. So, And he does all that while still being the, the head brewmaster at Brooklyn Brewing. So, um, so yeah. uh, we certainly love that place. I'm sure you had a good time when you were there. Oh, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed <laughs> and, 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 there- and more used to one. <laughs> Is there an, an ETA for when? Well, I, in other words, when the middle uh, town brewery you think or uh, will open? Sure, sure. We, we expect to be wrapped up with all our construction in in, in probably less than two months. Uh, we're we're wow. in the sooner than I thought. All of our brewing equipment is arriving the week of April twelfth. Uh, we're going to install that. Now, all of a sudden, you look like a brewery. And, um, you know, it'll probably take a, at that point, you know, maybe another month to wrap up construction. At that point, however, it's in the hands of the state. You know, okay. once you're done and, and you're right. all, you know, ready, now they have to, you know, Those process permits, their and-, permits and, mm-hmm. and licenses, including coming out and doing a visual inspection. So, you know, we're trying to build everything exactly to the requirements they gave us because in every case, they're going to give you certain requirements. Okay, at this site, this is what we need you to do, etc. So mm-hmm. we're following the letter of the law as they gave it, trying to make it as easy as possible for them to approve us. So okay. if they if they can approve us, I mean, theoretically, we could open by Memorial Day. That's probably not realistic. You know, mm-hmm. June, July, probably the most likely. Well, uh, which would be fantastic, if, if, again, given yeah. – what uh, last night, if you saw the uh, presidential address, there we're looking again, you know, praying that maybe around Fourth of July time yep. that things can be a little more normal. And what better way for things to be normal would be going to Ross Brewing? I, I, mm. I hope you're right. I hope our our opening can sort of coincide with that return to normalcy. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll definitely take credit for the nation's return to normalcy. The Ross. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> but, you know, look, we're all getting our vaccines. I think the, the, mm-hmm. the, the president said by the end of May, everyone that needs one will have one. And, uh, you know, if they want one and, um, and, um, you know, we, we're seeing the restaurant capacities increasing. Now we're up to 50% here in New Jersey. We're at 25, then 35, now 50. And that's going to go to 75 soon. And the next thing you know, we're back to normal. So yeah. um, it may take a longer while in general, because let's, let's, right. let's remember, you know, so many families, half a million families have lost somebody. And that's yeah. not just something you just switch off. You know, yeah. we've had, we've had a few losses in our family, you guys probably already know on the Point Blank podcast, or, or you know, we've had a couple of guys' parents pass away. So it's uh, it's a real thing. It's going to take some time before everything's truly back to normal, and maybe years. But right. but in the sense of starting to feel like getting back to normalcy, the hope is this summer. Yeah. Now, great. and it would be great to coincide, you know, the the official opening of uh, Rossa Brewing at that time, you know that we can all gather at Ross and for, you know, for all listening, please <laughs> and, you know, like uh, uh, go to rossbrewing.com. I'm sure you, you'll have uh, updates uh, on there oh, as soon as uh, if, if anyone goes to rossbrewing.com, 
uh, there's a little box that you can stick your email address in and then you get subscribed to our updates. So uh, we put construction updates, we put new beer updates, we put new, new, new distribution area updates. So that kind of stuff. Um, and of course, as often as possible, we share those to our Instagram and that's at Ross Brewing at Ross Brewing. And, um, and between, you know, the website newsletter and Instagram, you'll really be plugged into what's going on. And, um, you know, our, our brewery, you know, I mentioned it, it's something that, you know, could give a good tour. You know, we've got an indoor tasting room upstairs from that. There's a second floor tasting room that doubles as a private party room. We've already got parties r- like booked there for the second half of the year from you know, co- corporate Christmas parties to a, uh, um, uh, a wedding rehearsal dinner, you know, now oh, we, don't wow. serve, we don't serve food, but we, we have food trucks on site, you know, from different, different vendors. And as well, of course, you can have, you know, anything catered that you wish. Uh, so it's like, it runs the gamut, you know, like from a little office party to, uh, to, to fun events. So that, and then from that second floor, you know, besides our river and our water, you know, you can see right across that water. You can see New York City, Coney Island. You can even see Jones Beach. Oh. Uh, you can see you can see Staten Island. So it's a great view across the harbor of the New York City skyline. And then, so you've got the indoor area. You've got the outdoor beer garden. You know, we've got our beer dock, which is a deck that's set up. You know, with a number of tables out there. And for those that are nautically inclined, we're the only brewery in New Jersey or New York that you could bring your boat right to and tie up to our tasting room. <laughs> oh, so, that is excellent. Can't beat that. Yep. Oh, yeah. So we, we, so, uh, we, yeah, go ahead, Peter. Now, John, are, are you officially announcing now that uh, Ming Chen's annual Christmas party is now being moved from a shared universe to the Middletown <laughs> uh, Brewery? I don't know that I am authorized to make that announcement, but I would strongly suggest it to Ming and Mike. Yeah, I like the idea, right? Yeah, we, we, definitely we, we, should have some events, you know, like some shared universe events, over at uh, mm-hmm. Ross Brewing, I, I think it's. I think it would be a great idea. Of course, we could podcast from there. Even those upstairs rooms could, could be uh, could be a good podcasting location. Um, you know, I'm sure for the grand opening, where we're expected to have a number of high profile guests as well. Uh, I I'd be shocked if our main man Ming Chen wasn't live streaming the whole time. I um, <laughs> sure shocked. hope so. That's yeah. Right. So you guys are definitely invited, and and, and we hope well, we come you, down. John. You know, we've definitely. hung out over at the Assured Universe Eaton Town location and the mm-hmm. Assured Universe Asbury Park location. We haven't hung out at oh, um, right. at um, uh, Bell Works yet. No, yeah. but, uh, I want to. It looks beautiful one. over there. No, oh yeah, impressive. Yeah, I, lo- I love seeing like when uh, Ming is uh, casted from there, and it's like, oh wow, we definitely have to uh, check out the uh, studio there. So, John, we delved into, you know, the past and the origins of Ross Brewing Company and then the present as well, you know, with the, the brewery opening up in Middletown, New Jersey. But what is it, you know, to our listeners out there, what what is the future as far as Ross Brewing Company in terms of, you know, n- new beers uh, that are, will be coming out that you're experimenting and any kind of a tease maybe that you can sure, um, sure. give the audience? Uh, that's a good question. That's mm-hmm. a really good question, Peter. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a short-term tease. I'll give you a little longer-term tease. So um, next week, we're canning um, our, our Shark River Pills. So it's a, a, an American 
Czech style pilsner. So pilsners generally fall into German oh, style or Czech oh, wow. style. So if you're familiar with the Czech style pilsner or kel is yes, sort of that's standard. I've there. been to I've been to, uh, to Czechoslovakia, and so I, that's what I drank over there. Oh, <laughs> great! Well, yeah. great beer. So that's what inspired us there. It is. What we did is rather than using the traditional European noble hop known as Saz, we used the American designed what's called a super noble hop called Laurel, L-O-R-A-L. And um, rather than use an array of hops, this this Czech-style pills features the single hop. Uh, so it's sort of the star of this one. It's super clean and crisp. And if you are one of those, um, you know, say non-craft beer drinkers, where you just love your yellow pilsners from all over the place, well, guess what? This is the one that we're going to lure you in with. So that's Shark River Pills. That nice. plans next week for delivery in two weeks. Obviously, the three newest beers last week, this week, next week are Brooks Royale Belgian Stout, 12%. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Meet Snack Me at the Snack Shack, right, which is our, our session IPA, four and a half. And then you've got the the Shark River Pills. And again, that comes in at about four and a half as well. So we think that Shark River and Snack Shack, they're really going to light it up this summer. Beyond that, we've got some real good stuff in the hopper. Um, you can look for these in, in the coming weeks. Uh, we just did our first New England style hazy, juicy IPA, which is called Virtual Learning. Um, and uh, just something very topical. I've got to see it on both ends. My kids doing the virtual learning and my wife, the lovely Suzanne here doing uh, the virtual learning as a teacher from home. So she's doing a virtual teaching. Right wow. And, um, uh, so that's the virtual learning IPA. It's 8.1%. Uh, again, a haze boy, you know, new England style. Uh, and it even comes with a, a holographic silver can. So it's super cool to look at. Uh, oh, very cool. Out in about a month, we've got our first collaboration with twin lights brewing. We did a, Double hopped, double fruited, sour IPA. So it has uh, mango and pink guava. Uh, Comes in at about 8% IPA, fruited IPA. And then we put it through the souring process as well. So this one is checking off a lot of boxes. For our first collab, we wanted to do something that neither of us had done before and really push the envelope. And this this fits that bill. And then right before Cinco de Mayo... Ross Brewing will be coming out with Tio Valero. Tio Valero uh, translates as Uncle Sailboat, is uh, our Mexican style uh, a lager, which um, uh, we brewed with a Mexican lager yeast that would be familiar to any sort of Corona or Dos Equis or Modelo drinker. Mm-hmm. And then to that, we added right there in the mash, lime peel and the ferment fermenters, lime peel sea salt and agave nectar so this is going to taste like drinking something between a corona and a shot of tequila and uh so that's a that's going to debut right before cinco de mayo and then hopefully that'll do you know be available for most of the summer and then after that uh you can look for tarted up which is our sour cherry saison you've got uh you got a bunch of stuff uh peter we got to cut this off at some point, but I can, no, I, I, <laughs> I can give you the next 250 beers and they're released. It's exciting times for uh, we, we, have, we do have a raspberry marshmallow sour coming. Oh, wow. Uh, it's going to okay. be a, a tasty, sweet and sour at the same time with a good fluff to it. Um, yeah. 
you know, just, we're, we're hitting a lot of different stuff uh, in the longer term in terms of what you can expect from Ross Brewing. Besides us continuing to try to innovate and push the envelope and come up with, with new beers and even new styles of beer is for us to expand our distribution. You know, right now we're in 11 of the 21 counties in this state. So we got 10 more counties that are looking for our beer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're in New York right now. We're downstate Westchester, five boroughs of New York City and Long Island. But, you know, we have the rest of New York to go to as well. Mm-hmm. Then we have, you know, we'll do Connecticut. We'll do Pennsylvania, you know, Delaware, et cetera. Uh, Florida is big on our priority list because of lots of New Jerseyans and New Yorkers go down to Florida. Oh, yeah. I go down for business and pleasure. And, mm. you know, if I see like a carton beer or something like that's local from New Jersey or New York, I always gravitate towards that. So, uh, so we're going to go there. And then, um, you know, right now I mentioned earlier our distributor in New York, Taproom, they have the ability to home deliver beer to anyone in New York State. So oh, wow. with our with our, our new partnership that's probably going to be debuting in, in, in a month or so, we'll have that same ability to deliver beer to anyone's home in 22 states. So that's uh, and the last thing I'll tease you with is in 2022, Ross Brewing will also be in three other countries, okay, uh, wow. outside of the U.S. That's correct. Uh, we will be in the United Kingdom. We will be in Australia, and we will be in Japan. So, Ross, Ooh. we're going international with this baby. Let me know about the Japan one because I, I work for a Japanese company. So, can you I, can, I, can you arrange a trip out there, Nick? Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to. Believe me. Congrats <laughs> I, I, on all that. Though. We're short here with time, but we want to be. Uh, we, we didn't even get to really talk about Point Blank Podcast, but yeah. in the spirit of Point Blank Podcast, we're going to do two quick games for you. Okay, let's do it. Uh, do you want to do yours first? Yeah, sure. I'll do that. But I'll shorten it, obviously. Uh, just do. I'll do like three of them. How about that, Nick? Uh, okay. uh, I'm, I'm calling this uh, Authentic Ale or Fake Fermentation. Now, you have to guess whether or not these beers, IPAs, are real. Real creations that you can go out and buy, or if I just completely made this up. I love this idea. Wow. <laughs> right off the bat, I'm going in all guns blazing. All right, we're going Rambo style here. Whale testicle beer. Now, <laughs> this is Stegy Brewery. Then a Stegy Brewery, they combine two of nature's finest resources, pure Icelandic water, breweries in Iceland, and whale testicles smoked in sheep dung. Now, did I make this up, or is this an actual real beer that you could buy, uh, let's say, in Reykjavik? When it was just whale testicles, I said, this has to be fake. I, but when you added the sheep down into the mix, I said, nobody could be could, could be this depraved, Peter. This has to be real. <laughs> and what do you think? No, that you have actually traveled to Iceland before. I have been to Iceland, yeah. yeah I, I'm actually going to go with John and say, yeah, as crazy as it sounds, this is real. Yeah, so run out and get your six-pack now. Whale testicle beer is real, a oh real God. beer. <laughs> have you drank it when you were I, in Iceland? I have. No, I did not. <laughs> and, and it's called uh, – I know I'm going to ever completely uh, decimate this, but Havalur, H-V-A-L-U-R, by Stedgy Brewery. Wow. I've had so, beer from Stedgy Brewery in this house. My oh. my intern at work went to Iceland. They went to Reykjavik on a trip, and and then when they when they came back, they know I love all different kinds of beers, and they brought me that. I can assure you 
no testicles of any mammal were involved in the deer <laughs> And I hope no dung either. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So here's another one. Now, this beer is called Glue Rooster. It's made with chicken bones, okay? Now, um, it, it makes for it's – it's a more barley wine style, but there is a uh, – a mild kind of meaty taste with the the fruit adding a nice sweet and, uh, sweetness to it. Now, is Glue Rooster is that a real um, beverage, real beer? I, see, I know there's like a whole thing with like bone broth and it being healthy, and people are into that. I mean, maybe someone could conceivably put that concept into a beer, but I don't know. It's just so off putting. Pete, I, I, I'm 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 going to say that one's not real. Okay. And I'm actually going with John on this as well, again, because this sounds actually too close to being. Yeah, they they could do this. That you went yeah. that route and and made made up your uh, glue. What is it? Glue goose or goose glue? Glue rooster. Glue rooster. Glue rooster. Okay. I mean, the well, glue, go ahead. Yeah, so the gold medal goes to both John and Nick for guessing that this is a fake beer. In fact, <laughs> this is a beer that is featured in the show Preacher with uh, – is it Dominic, oh! <laughs> Dominic, Dominic Cooper. Cooper, right? Wait, that yes. beer was in that show? Yes, it's constantly oh, – in fact, it, it is constantly chugged by the deranged priest Jesse Custer and his Irish vampire buddy Cassidy. So uh, oh go go back and, uh, you know – Freeze frame it, and you'll see Glue Rooster is what they drink exclusively. I mean, it's, it's a great name, right? It's glue because they threw the animal bones in, sure. But uh, right. wow, I have to go back and check that. I watched Preacher, but I don't remember seeing that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah what, but what else is in our flight tonight, uh, Pete? Uh, let's do – okay, so let's do one last one. Um, and again, real or fake, we don't know, but is it – we got Cane Brewing Company and the beer, A Night to End All Dawns. 12.5% alcohol by volume. It's a bold stout. Spent more than a year aging in bourbon barrels before it's released to eager fans. Is this real? Well, a night to end all dawns. And it's a cool name. Mm-hmm. And from what you described, you know, a 12 plus stout aging in bourbon barrels for a year also sounds delicious as heck. <sighs> You know, cane brewing. I know cane brewing. Uh, I'm going to say real. I will also go real. Again, I know this This is a Jer- Jersey brewery, cane brewing. Yep. So, um, uh, Pete. Well, to- it wouldn't be, uh, you know, a What Exit Jersey Stories uh, podcast without a mention of one of our homegrown Brewing companies, and yes, it is Cane Brewing Company in Ocean, New Jersey, and that is a real beer. A night to end. A night to end. A cool name, and I can tell you I something did. else. What exit for Cane Brewing? That's one hundred five. One hundred five on the current state parkway. If you're in the area. <laughs> Great job, Pete. Those, Thanks. Those, those so good stuff. I like the I like the format. If uh, if uh, we can do a crossover, bring you guys over by us. I, I would like you to maybe even do another version of that. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I had more, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'll okay, save those for next great. time. And, Dad, and, Nick. Uh, yeah. And in the vein of Point Blank Podcast, in the vein of older or younger. Oh, boy. This is New Jersey brews older. <laughs> New Jersey brews I'm going to give you some breweries, and you tell me which of them is the older brewery. Wow. In New Jersey. Okay. All right. Cool. I, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm a hometown guy, so I'm gonna give you Hackensack Brewing or Elementary, both in Hackensack, New Jersey. Okay. 
I've been to elementary. Very um, nice place. I've, I've been to both. Uh, they're only actually about two or three blocks from each other. Correct. But only one of them has a graveyard as their front yard, and that's Hackensack Brewing. <laughs> that go. is correct. Um, by my recollection, elementary is probably five years, and I'd put Hackensack at two. So brews older, elementary. I am are correct. Go to, yeah, I was going to agree with John. Just oh, so you yeah, know, right? yeah. I, I was going to say, I know you've been there actually yep. with uh, Mike Donnelly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> you, you, you were at that one way before Hack Attack Brewing existed there. So, yep. yeah, I, I, I knew you knew that one. Mm-hmm. But let, let, let's let's go uh, a, a little further now. Let, let's go Last Wave in Point Pleasant Beach mm-hmm. versus Double Nickel in Pensacon Township. Hmm. Who's older? That's a really good one, Nick. That's really good. In my mind, they're pretty close. I'm going to give Double Nickel the slight edge of being older, but it's so close in my mind anyway that I don't think it could go either way. I'll say I'll say Double Nickel's one year older than last week. And Pete, what do you say? And yes, I'm looking over at his sheet, so I'm copying uh, John. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> same answer. Okay, and you were both correct, and you were very close, John. They were actually uh, just about two years. Uh, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. is older from 2015. So and, last uh, week I, I've been to in Point Pleasant Beach. I have not been to Double Nickel, but um, I know they're just old enough to have done a rebranding. So uh, meaning, you know, after a couple of years, they sort of changed the look of all their cans and logos and stuff. So uh I am looking, you know, forward to getting out to Pensacon, but I haven't been there yet. Excellent, awesome, excellent. And yeah, I, I had a few more, but let, let, let's let's do. Uh, I do one more. Come on, do one more. Do yeah, one more. Definitely. And we're 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 gonna go with High Point Brewery versus Cricket Hill. <sighs> High Point in Butler, New Jersey. Cricket Hill in Fairfield. Fairfield, New Jersey. Okay, Nick, I'm going Cricket Hill right off the bat. Uh, uh, I gotta tell you. You're good at this game that you created, Nick, because they are two of the founding five in New Jersey. You are um, correct. <laughs> so they've all been around for a while. Um, when I opened Maloney's Pub in Matawan, compared to 100 breweries today, when I opened that in 08, there were just five breweries in New Jersey, and I wanted to make sure I carried beer from all five of them, and those were two. Yep. As for who's older, right? I do – I have to agree with Pete. I feel that Cricket Hill in Fairfield has the edge over my buddy Greg Zaccardi at High Point slash Ramstein Brewing, but um, I couldn't put an age on it. You know, uh, is it like 20 years versus 15 years? I don't know. Okay. Well, let's go to the uh, tape here. Cricket Hill in Fairfield uh, preceded your, your, your pub there at, 2002, it was formed in Fairfield. Fairfield. years. Okay. Yeah. High Uh-oh. Point Brewery in Butler. Huh. Do Haas to them. They were in 1996. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> 25 <laughs> years? 25 yes. years? 25 years of High yeah. Point Brewery. Hey, you stumped, you stumped both of us. I know. <laughs> Damn it. I to go with, as you said, two of the Original five there, like the old five there. Right. Yeah. 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 Those two, you have Cricket Hill and, and High Point. 
You've got Climax Brewing, River Horse Brewing, and then Flying Fish down south. Those are those are the right. you know wow. the, the the five heartbeats, as it were. Huh. Yeah, and, and I, I've had Flying Fish before. Excellent. Yeah, it's very good. But great games, uh, guys. We, we, we gotta we we gotta uh, rush this one through here. So, John, if they want to get in, if everyone wants to get in contact with John Ross of Ross Brewing, um. How can they get in contact with you uh, besides uh, rossbrewing.com? Sure. Well, like we mentioned, you have rossbrewing.com, and, and we can accept emails right through the site, or you could sign up for the newsletter as well. We've got our Instagram uh, at rossbrewing. You've got my own Instagram, which is considerably more boring. I wouldn't suggest it today. I posted about <laughs> the battery daddy, but mm-hmm. that's at uh, at the real boss Ross. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, I'm on Facebook, you know, Ross Brewing's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter, you know, all the boring stuff, but, um, but yeah, you know, we, we, we welcome everyone to inquire. We're getting so many inquiries every day. Like, Hey, I live in X town, you know, what's, is there beer near me or, Oh, I like X beer from you. Are you making any more like that? So, excuse me. Uh, we love interacting with the fans and, uh, and, uh, you know, we've even, we've even brought on some members of the team that way people have reached out to us, you know, that said, Hey, are, are you looking for someone that can do this? And we're like, yeah, you know what? We are right at this time. What a great mm. reach out. So feel free to contact us and, uh, and thanks for the platform guys. No, no, thank you. And, and if they want to please on Wednesday evenings, please also tune in to the point blank podcast. Uh, you know, through a shared universe in uh, right. Eatontown, New Jersey, and at the Bellworks. That's so, right. And, and I, I would get spanked from the guys for not mentioning it. So good call. Uh, just in one sentence, point blank. You know, we do craft beer, uh, comic book, pop culture, and uh, and fun mini games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we drop in some uh, some guests, and uh, the 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 core staff is is myself, Todd, and Mo from Ross Brewing, along with Ming and Mike from a shared universe and a comic book mint. Excellent. Yeah. And but we look forward to that every week. Thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you. No, no, thank you. And if you want to contact us, please, you know, you know, l- l- listen to uh, what exit Jersey stories, please like subscribe. Uh, we're, we're out on mostly uh, the social platforms. platforms there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're at, uh, what's it? Uh, what exit podcast at gmail.com. If you want to hit our Twitter, we're exit. What? <laughs> Twitter. Yes, I, I messed that one up. So anyway, perfect. <laughs> hey, but you just got to go with it, man. Exactly. Mm. And, and and just to give you an example of uh, a point blank podcast, they have played Taboo with Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, from the Black Eyed Peas. So yeah, we had Taboo from Black Eyed Peas on. Thing? He's actually going to be coming on again in a couple of months because he's got another comic book coming out from Marvel. I know Werewolf by Night. He's been doing so. He's been doing Werewolf by Night, and and then it's going to coincide with another drop from the Black IPs. So uh, we've been texting that he wants to come back on. No, no, no confirmation or rumor will we once again be playing Taboo with Taboo. We may okay. have to come up with a new game. Although it was fun to do that. Oh, that it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, for what exit Jersey stories? I've been Nick Franco. I'm Pete Riario. And our special guest tonight was John Cocosa. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good Take night. Care, bye. Thanks, John.